Welcome back to the Winnipeg Foundation's Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Camilla Holland. She is the Executive Director of Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre. Camilla, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. So first and foremost, can you introduce our listeners to Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre and talk about the scope of its programming? Absolutely. So, so many of your listeners probably know that MTC, Manitoba Theatre Centre, as we were first named. We were founded in 1958 by John Hirsch and Tom Hendry, who then became the founding artistic director and general manager of the theatre. And really, John and Tom had a an audacious vision for building a regional theatre, a theatre that could hold the ideals of the community in it and be a space for expansive plays for the shows that were coming at that point off the West End and Broadway, but also for generating new work. And for over 60 years now, that's really been the hallmark of the work that we have done. We have this unbelievably beautiful building, um, a brutalist um, space at 174 Market Street, which was built in conjunction with the concert hall across the street as one of the big Manitoba centennial projects, of course, in in 1970. And we also have the warehouse space that we run. It's a block and a half away. It's actually was, I believe, the former police station, Um, but it was a warehouse when we took it over and we've created a, a beautiful second space there. And we have a big provincial footprint, right? We have this venue, these two venues where we put on beautiful professional plays featuring the best talent locally, but also the best talent from across Canada and the world. And we also tour regionally. We have a beautiful show that goes in a truck on the ice roads up to the northern parts of Manitoba, as far as we can reach, wherever there's an audience we can get to. We also produce the Fringe Festival, which is an unusual arrangement. We're the only regional theatre in North America to produce the Fringe. So it it nestles under our large tree roots and I think has grown into being the incredible um, success story and and game changer in our um, city's July that has been because of our support. So we're a theatre company with a a lot of different programs and a lot of different ways that people access our work. And a big audacious goal, which is that more Manitobans should see themselves reflected here and should feel that theatre is is imperative to their lives. With the 2021-22 season just announced, can you tell us about some of the productions that will be part of the lineup and the plans that are in place to ensure that the show goes on? Gosh, I would I would love to be able to ensure that the show goes on. We are we are planting a flag of hope in the 21-22 season. So let me just cast the mind back a little bit. I know that um, this is a forward-looking podcast and and a forward-looking journey, really, for for um, Winnipeg Foundation in your next hundred years. But if we just cast our mind back to March 2020, a, a mere 15 months ago, you know, MTC was in the unusual position, as were our colleagues across the country, of having to collapse our plays and really collapse the season that was happening as well as collapse the plans for the upcoming season. That season would have been artistic director Kelly Thornton's first new program season. She joined us in, she was appointed in 2018. She inherited Stephen Shipper's season for her first year and she was just on the precipice of launching into her first season. She denounced it in January and then it um, March came and and the world changed. So what we're putting on stage in 21-22 is a really, I think, smart, beautiful way of trying to tell safe stories for an audience that we're not entirely sure what the size will be. We will, of course, adhere to all public health guidelines. We are hopeful that by November, which is when our season begins, that we'll be able to bring in socially distanced audiences. 
And when you think about people coming to the theater in pairs or in trios or in quadruples, then really we're, we're, we're looking at a reduced house to a large extent. So what we've put on sale right now and what we're promoting in the marketplace are four beautiful shows at our main stage, two at our warehouse. And we are deeply hopeful that we'll be able to do our regional tour this year because that's a really important theater outreach program that we do. And, and those are communities that don't get a play unless we come. So the quick lineup um, is best described on our website. And I'm not going to go play by play because I will miss somebody's name or forget something. But we're really trying to bring people back to live theater and plays reflect that. So Orlando, which we launch with at our main stage, is a kind of extraordinary story um, based on the Virginia Woolf novel of 1920. And it's it's a telling of somebody who's fallen in love with being an artist and struggles over 400 years and over history in that time. And actually, in fact, begins as a man and ends as a woman in the 20th century, all looking for love and art. And really it's about stage magic. It's about bringing people back into the building safely and smartly and and helping them feel comfortable back here. The rest of the season at the main stage are three really quite beautiful plays, The Lifespan of a Fact, Calpurnia by our Associate Artistic Director, Audrey Dwyer, and The Res Sisters by Thompson Highway, perhaps Manitoba's most celebrated Indigenous playwright or most celebrated Manitoba playwright. And at the warehouse, we've got two beautiful one-person shows that are both internationally renowned pieces that are just coming here for a short sit-down. The first is um, Seasick by Alana Mitchell, an extraordinary journey into the depths of the ocean and to the reality of what climate change is going to mean for our oceans, and The Runner, a piece um, by Christopher Morris out of Toronto. And those plays really are smart and sparky and edgy and really what the warehouse audience is looking for. But again, we can do them with 60 people if that's all we're allowed to have in the audience. So that's the flag we're planting for 21-22 with the great hope that, of course, between the vaccinations and between following all the great science that has been leading us through this public health challenge, that we will be able to return to the scope and scale of productions that we have been known for in the 22-23 season. And this is usually the point where somebody says to me, but Camilla, Broadway's opening and, you know, they're, they're planning 100% audiences. And I say, that's great for Broadway. But on our Broadway, I'm not convinced that Dr. Brent Rusin is going to let me have 100% audiences this fall. So we are being cautious and careful, and we are building a very deliberately sized box to play in. And the moment that Dr. Brent Rusin tells me that I can have 250 people in my audience or 500 people in my audience or, you know, goodness willing, 787 people in my audience, we will do that. But right now we're just being a little bit pragmatic and careful because we know one thing, which is the virus always has a way of surprising us down the road. That sounds like a fantastic lineup and hopefully it's able to go through as planned. I'm sure this varies from production to production, but generally, what do you hope that audiences take away from a Royal MTC theater performance? I think... You know, my artistic director, Kelly, would say she wants you to leave enlightened and enriched and and invigorated by the conversation you've seen on stage. And I think those are all great words. I also think that as we think about coming back to the live arts for the first time in a long time, we're going to want people to feel that connection, that human connection, connection to the people on the stage, connection to the people in the audiences, though it may be safe, distanced. So I'm really looking forward to to welcoming audiences back and giving them something to talk about in the drive home. You know, I, I think that we have 
through this pandemic leaned so hard on the arts in a way, you know, when you think about the epic numbers that Gem and Crave and Netflix are seeing, you know, it's people are craving content. I think the Winnipeg Library is busier than ever. You know, people are looking for distraction, sure, and, and something to connect to, but they're also looking for content to kind of illuminate how they're feeling about the world. And so I think that, I think theater at its very best lifts your heart a little bit, you know, that that feeling of kind of sitting in a seat and watching these stories on stage that you feel really connected to that. In fact, there's this extraordinary study from well pre-pandemic that when audiences are in a theater together, that eventually their heartbeats sync up because we're so much in community, right? We all gasp at the same moment. We all laugh at the same moment. We all cry at the same moment and and that sense. So I think that community is what we're craving and what we're missing and what we think we can deliver in a really specific way, a really life-affirming way and a really art-affirming way. Experiencing the arts digitally, given the circumstances that we're in, is still great, but It's not the same kind of connection as being with a group of friends or family and seeing a live performance as opposed to watching a screen. It's a whole different kind of connection and conversation that emerges from that. And it's also been a place where you had differing views and you sat with strangers. And I think sometimes we've forgotten that there is value in being with people who aren't necessarily your friends or your family, right? Um, so so I'm, I'm really looking forward to bringing back groups of people to see plays that are topical, relevant, a lot of humor at the main stage, a lot of wit, a lot of smart, fast dialogue to kind of really amplify the conversation that people are going to have on the drive home. So we're, we're thrilled about that. What has support from the Winnipeg Foundation meant for Royal MTC over the years? You know, this is a very big question with a lot of tentacles. The the Winnipeg Foundation has been, I call them kind of one of our most stalwart partners, because really it feels like we walk alongside with the foundation. So not only do we have our endowment and vested with the foundation, which is where it has grown and thrived and and really is a huge part of our success story. Um, We also have the MTC Foundation funds held there because we know that they're held in perpetuity and care and and really managed beautifully well. The Winnipeg Foundation has invested in almost anything we've done that's exciting. <laughs> they, they were, uh, for many years, they were an operating partner with us. There was a funding relationship that predated me that was tied to a number of arts organizations in town where the Winnipeg Foundation actually gave operating funds. But even in the alignment of more discrete project funds, you know, they've contributed to the building all the renovations and upgrades we've done. They've contributed to special projects. They've contributed to productions. They've really just been an extraordinary partner in trying to make sure that we are doing wonderful work for wonderful audiences. And I feel so fortunate to have the Winnipeg Foundation in our community and in our corner. I think that what they've done in terms of creating a, a landscape of stability, a landscape of sustainability, and of deep trusted predictability with making donations. It's, it's Manitoba's always had extraordinary numbers in terms of the philanthropy in this community, both in terms of time and, and talent and treasure, right? Volunteer numbers off the charts, donation numbers off the charts, and engagement numbers off the charts. But I do think the Winnipeg Foundation has really been such a catalyst for getting people to think about what they want to do with their funds, the difference their funds can make, and the difference their funds will make in perpetuity. Do you have a message to donors that have supported Royal MTC throughout its history? Always thank you. Thank you. Thank you is off the top. You cannot say it enough. Thank you. 
MTC, like so many of our colleagues, you know, and I'm thinking about some of the anchor arts organizations in this province that have grown and flourished, you know, the ballet, the symphony, the opera, the Manitoba Museum, the CMHR, the WAG, like there's so many, and then so many brilliant theater companies. This is all because Manitobans participate. They give, they come, they volunteer. It's, it's, it's a really ripe soil to plant arts seeds in here. And so the donors who have contributed to MTC deserve all the thanks in the world because it is because of them and their staunch support, generous contributions over many, many decades, and in some cases over generations of a family that we are still here, we have survived the pandemic, we will survive whatever next pieces are thrown at us. And we're also thriving in this very relevant and, and timely conversation about how to best engage all Manitobans and how to make sure that they feel welcomed and safe and respected in our facilities and in our programming. So the Winnipeg Foundation has helped elevate that conversation. The donors and their contributions over really extended period of time have made it possible for us to do the important work that we want to do and we're so so grateful to them what are your hopes for royal mtc and for theater in general in the future long-term hope of course is that winnipeg continues to be this really central capital of culture for the canadian landscape and that the work here continues to transmit across the world and that we continue to attract amazing artists to come and, and make and create here It's a big tent idea to be a city of the arts. And I think Winnipeg does it really, really well. And I'd love to see it celebrated. I'd love to see people celebrating as much, you know, as we celebrated the Jets win last night to celebrate the quality and the consistency and the quantity of arts that people have here. And from the festivals, you know, across the province to all the, to all the, the more prosaic indoor stuff. So my hopes are for, for this to just be seen as the growing sector it is, valued as the impact sector it is. Before we go, is there anything else you'd like to mention about Royal MTC or the upcoming season? You know, there's lots of great information on our website and new subscriptions and tickets go on sale at various dates over the summer months. I will say, you know, I think people are really staring down right now. You know, we're taping this on May the 25th. It's 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 a challenging moment in our province's uh, journey with COVID. And so I think people are looking at a summer that, you know, may not be the one dose promise that we had from, uh, from our prime minister, maybe a more constrained version of that. So I just encourage everybody in this summer of whatever this becomes, to continue to support the summer festivals and the activities that aren't able to happen in their traditional way. So whether that means a folk festival in your backyard as you celebrate whatever product they're able to do or engaging with the digital fringe or finding a really great way to remember the aspirations of Folklorama in uh, and the jazz festival in a very safe, smart way, please, you know, remember the summer festivals are now going into their second year without activity their second year without being able to do what we all love. And so if I could encourage people to lean in there, I think that's a that's a great goal for the next few months. And I, I am confident that as the year goes on, that the things that we miss in the cultural landscape will come back. That's a great message. And hopefully with more support, hopefully better than ever. And that'll be something to look forward to for sure. 
my colleagues in Australia are seeing record numbers, right? You know, the truth is people are parched to get back and engage and to be in community and to be doing the things that they miss. So I'm really hopeful that we're going to see out of this a great kind of 1920s resurgence, a great kind of, you know, a, a roaring 20s of our, of our own, perhaps without the depression to come. So let's get the needle and encourage people in your lives too, because I think that's how we get back to normal. And for more information about Royal MTC, the website is royalmtc.ca. So that has all the information about Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre and the upcoming 2021 season called A Time and a Place. I've been speaking with Camilla Holland, Executive Director of Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre. Camilla, thank you so much again for joining me today. Thank you so much, Robert. Take care. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org.